We're thankful once again to be joined by Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst. Representative, thanks for the time. Well, thanks, Will. Appreciate the opportunity. First thing we want to do is once again promote this upcoming senior fair. Yourself, uh, Representative Jacobs, Senators Bryant and Fowler are going to be in Carbondale this Wednesday at 9 a.m. Tell me about it. Well, we try to make this an annual event uh, for the Southern Illinois legislators to get together and host a senior fair. Now, with uh, COVID, we haven't had a senior fair, I don't believe, since uh, 2019. So uh, this year will be our first in about three years. We're having it Wednesday, uh, the 24th, from 9 to 11 a.m. at the uh, Carbondale Civic Center. Everything's lined up and ready to go. We have over 40 vendors who are going to be present. Uh, our staff members will be present to assist with the constituent issues, but we'll also have other government offices like the Treasurer's Office, Attorney General, uh, Congressman Bost, I believe, will be, uh, or his office will be present. All those uh, designed to help people with other government concerns they have. And then there'll be also a lot of healthcare providers and uh, organizations that will have information. Uh, I think sometimes they offer free uh, blood pressure screenings and, and other uh, preliminary screenings there at, at the uh, at the event. So it's just a good time to uh, kind of do a one-stop shopping for a lot of issues that uh, our elderly are facing. We also have door prizes, uh, so that's a, another good reason uh, for individuals to come and and be a part of it complimentary refreshments will be served the carbondale civic center is uh located at 200 south illinois avenue that's this wednesday august the 24th 9 a.m to 11 a.m representatives jacobs windhorst as well as senators bryant and fowler will be there this event goes way back uh representative state representative at the time mike bost and state senator david luchtefeld i think were the ones who began this event 20-plus years ago. That sounds right, and uh, we're happy to carry that on and thankful we could, we could do it again this year. Well, turning our attention to some issues in Springfield, seems like there's a never-ending news coverage about energy rates and rising energy rates. Um, where are we headed in Illinois in terms of these energy issues? Well, people are suffering and hurting with uh, the energy costs, energy bills they're having to pay. We know it just talking to people one-on-one. We know it from calls to our office. But we also uh, know it from uh, a study that was just recently released from Jackson Associates, which uh, dealt with energy cost inflation. And they define energy cost as both the, the uh, bills you pay to for the energy to your home as well as uh, – gas prices or energy prices to commute and illinois uh and just total dollar numbers ranked 10th in the nation in inflation but by percentage wise it was even higher than that it was among the top it was as a state we had a 62 percent uh energy cost inflation from 2020 to 2022 uh so we know from talking to people people are hurting and we know from these numbers that people are hurting now to give you an indication a neighboring state, Kentucky, is actually in the bottom 10 for inflation. So it's not as if um, this is something that's occurring in the Midwest or in our region only. In fact, Illinois is the only state outside the coasts that, w- that was in the top 10 for this energy rate inflation. You know, California and then the Northeast were the, the other, were the other uh, nine states were represented. So the reason I bring that up is to say we can make efforts uh, to 
move away from this uh, inflationary uh, spike that we're seeing for our state. You know, we have decided, um, those on the other side of the aisle have primarily have decided to, to support policies that are making our energy rates higher and making uh, us an uh, energy importer, importing from other states and having to pay for that rather than an energy exporter where we're sending our our uh, power and energy to other states. I, along with the other Southern, Southern Illinois representatives, feel like we need to have changes to our policies in Springfield to, again, make us uh, an energy exporter and an energy leader in the country. Well, and I think one of the other things that has to be talked about with this discussion is when you think about places like pin aluminum in Murfreesboro, or you think about Spartan Light Medical Metal Products in Sparta, or you think about um, um, the Welgies uh, businesses in Chester, and you can go on down the line, various manufacturing employees, uh, employers here in Southern Illinois. Uh, many of those corporate leadership offices are not locally based. They're somewhere uh, in some larger city, and they're going to get a report that's going to say our costs at ABC plant in XYZ town have doubled when it comes to energy. Um, we need to get our heads together and figure out if it makes more sense for us to be in Indiana or Missouri or Kentucky or wherever, uh, because this is not sustainable in the long term if we want to be competitive in a world marketplace because i hear a lot of democrats talk about how illinois is a world leader in this and a world leader in that and that we're a a a global destination for this that and the other Um, but yet at the same time these kinds of policies i would have to think make it difficult for corporate leaders in various places to decide to continue to be rooted here you're absolutely correct. And talking to uh, those in the business community, one of the benefits of Illinois, uh, we know it's not its tax structure and or its business regulatory environment. Those things have been a negative and have been for some time. But one of the positives about Illinois had been its uh, cheap energy rates. And we have decided through state policy to toss that away. So business leaders can no longer point to that as a, an incentive to being in Illinois. So ultimately we will see more businesses leave, which will ultimately result in more people leaving. And uh, you know, it's something that we see throughout the southernmost portions of the state, people leaving, sometimes just moving right across state lines to Missouri or Kentucky or Indiana. And I believe that, that this would just be exacerbated by uh, the policies we're, we're seeing in Springfield. Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst is with me today. But the bottom line is... It seems to me that even though energy rates have increased, there seems to be no cracks in the armor. There seems to be no members of the Democratic Party defecting from the legislation that was adopted. And there would have to be Democrats come on board with some new direction for this energy policy that's been adopted to be modified. You're right. Uh, given the current makeup of the General Assembly and even going into the next General Assembly, it's likely that the uh, Democrats will, if not have the majority, be at parity with the Republicans. Uh, so they, their votes would be uh, would be needed. I think one of the reasons we've not heard much from the other side of the aisle on this is because a lot of these issues are primarily affecting, at least when we talk about energy rates for businesses and, and homes, 
is a primarily occurring in the MISO region, which is not all of Illinois. It's you know basically the southern uh, two-thirds or three-fourths of the state uh, geographically. The upper portion of the uh, state is, uh, receives its energy primarily from nuclear power, and the recent legislation that passed provided some subsidies to nuclear power. So those rates in the northern part of the state are actually either flat, some have even uh, been said to, to have been reduced. So the problem that we're experiencing in our part of the state isn't necessarily being seen by the representatives uh, firsthand in the, in the northern part of the state. So it's important for us as uh, state representatives and senators in our area and up into central Illinois to make sure we're, we're letting them know this is what's happening in our area. It's hurting uh, our citizens and we need to make changes uh, to actually look to benefit the citizens of our state. Turning our attention now to the Department of Corrections, I spoke with Terry Bryan about this last week. There has been a federal judge that's placed a contempt order on the Illinois Department of Corrections. Three years ago, the Department of Corrections were directed to get together a plan to improve inmate uh, physical and mental health care. And uh, since that time, uh, there has been no plan put together. And uh, this federal judge has said, uh, hey, you are now in contempt of this court. Um, you know, you're someone with a, a background in the law. What does this federal contempt order really mean uh, to the Illinois Department of Corrections other than some bad publicity? Well, it could mean some uh, either some financial penalties uh, that, that may be paid, but it also could mean some more stringent rules uh, that have been will put in, be put in place beyond what's found in uh, state legislation. Unfortunately, when it comes to a lot of our, our state business, uh, Department of Corrections is one area, Department of Children and Family Services is another. We operate by what's called consent decree, where individuals go to court, get a court order, sometimes with the consent of the state, and then that order takes the place of any law that has been passed because for one of two reasons, either the law was inadequate or the execution of the law, the, the uh, governor or the executive branch is not executing the law correctly. Those things get overridden by uh, by a federal court. You know, we have seen with this administration several areas where there have been uh, contempt citations. Of course, uh, you mentioned the Department of Corrections. We've had, we were into the double digits now of uh, DCFS contempt citations uh, against a director for his failure to abide by court orders and uh, obtaining uh, adequate housing for those minors who are in the care of the Department of Children and Family Services. We've also seen where, uh, talking about the mental health care of people who are in jail, not prison, but in jail, the uh, judges order the Department of Human Services to take individuals who've been ordered for uh, mental health counseling into the department rather than refusing those. Um, I know in speaking to sheriffs and others who've been affected that there have been individuals waiting for months or years to get into uh, DHS facilities so they can be uh, so they can receive treatment and ultimately have their criminal case resolved. That's something that shouldn't uh, be taking the time it is. Uh, so we have an administration that is not administering laws as it should be and actually making sure the government is operating as it should. And that's ultimately what these orders are an indication of. 
does this fall to the director of the Department of Corrections? Does it fall to some deputy governor? Does it fall to the governor himself? I mean, when you clear out all the politics of it, I mean, is this the bureaucracy's fault? Because I'm smart enough to know that if a federal judge tells me three years ago, fire up Microsoft Word and put a plan together and send it to me, I mean, we're capable of doing that. So there must be some reason why it wasn't done. I mean, it didn't, you know how this works. You formulate a plan, whether or not it gets implemented in time, usually courts are a little bit lenient about, you know, various issues that could come up along the way, but to not even put a plan together and submit it to the court seems unfathomable. It does. Uh, I would say it's a combination of things, you know, the bureaucracy of this, of even the state government is large and sometimes difficult for an administration to uh, steer or direct. Um, and just looking at some of the issues we have in DOC and DCFS, these extend uh, beyond one administration. DCFS in particular has been an issue for uh, many administrations and has been difficult uh, to manage or direct. But ultimately, we are a government that is of the people, by the people, for the people. And how the people express their will is through it, their elected representatives. And as it relates to the executive branch, the only way in the state of Illinois for us to uh, direct that toward DCFS or DOC is through the election of the governor. So it ultimately then falls to the governor uh, to to administer and execute the laws uh, appropriately. Now, if there's something in the law that needs to be changed, he or his staff members need to be coming to the legislature and saying, this other body, elected uh, elected representatives of the people, need to change the law to uh, assist in uh, making sure that the citizens are cared for and the laws uh, are able to be executed. All right, Representative. Appreciate the time, and I'll catch up with you soon. Sounds great. I appreciate it.